Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Welcome to the weekend edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Lots to talk about today after the Islanders' disappointing 3-2 overtime loss against the Blues. We will break that down. We will also preview tomorrow's game against the Boston Bruins at the Coliseum and talk a little bit about Butch Goring's number retirement that will be coming up before the game. And, of course, we'll have this Dayton Islanders history and a lot more. So, lots on our plate now as the Islanders get into the heart of the stretch drive. Let's start with last night's game. Although, before we get to that, don't forget, if you have a question, a comment, you want to reach us for any reason, please contact the show, the email address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. Leave your name and where you're from, and we'll be happy to mention you on the air, answer your question, talk about the topic that interests you, or uh, even just uh, reply to whatever comments you may have. Also, you can follow the show on Twitter, at LockedOnIsles, or you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter, at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. All right, so the Islanders and the Blues... Tomas Grice in between the pipes for the Islanders. Jordan Bennington, the goaltender for St. Louis. The Islanders scratches in this game. And uh, can't say there were any major surprises. Andy Green still banged up. Tom Cunackle, Andrew Ladd. And then Matt Martin not playing for the Isles in this game. Early on, play fairly even in this one, and then the Islanders got the first power play opportunity of the game. Jaden Schwartz called for shooting the puck over the glass. That's a two-minute delay of game penalty at 7.30, and the Islanders take advantage. Who is centering the top line on the power play? Jean-Gabriel Pajot, and he scores on a one-timer, his 26th goal of the year from Matthew Barzal and Devon Tays. Barzal with a great pass. He has been very, very good at distributing the puck lately and creating plays. That really is, that and his speed are his two biggest assets, and it pays off. And as for Pajot, not too much more you could ask of a guy. You know, we talked about the fight that he had defending his teammate in the game against the Rangers. That was his Islanders debut. And then he scores his second goal in as many games. Islanders off to a quick 
one to nothing lead in this one. By the way, the assist for Barzal gives him five straight games with at least one assist. Then the Islanders grab the lead. They extend it. Anders Lee with a nice play, muscles his way through and passes the puck over to Jordan Eberly. Eberly with a backhander. He gets his 15th of the year at 16:34. Barzal gets the second assist. That is his eighth assist in the last five games. And Eberly, by the way, uh, happens to be red hot, a five-game point-scoring streak for him. And that's five goals and two assists in those last five games. You know, we talked at the All-Star break that the Islanders needed more from Jordan Eberle. And that also he tends to be a slow starter and a fast finisher. So far, he has been true to form. And Eberle with a big goal at 16:34, Islanders up two to nothing at that point. But. In the last minute of the period, a one-timer by Braden Shen, his 23rd, Ryan O'Reilly and Jaden Schwartz with the helpers, and it's a 2-1 to game at the end of the first period as a result of that. The Islanders ended the period shorthanded as uh, Brock Nelson was called for delay of game with 10.3 seconds left. Islanders outshot the Blues in that first period, 12-9. to But, you know, a strong road first period. You had that 2-0 lead, and then you give up a goal in the closing seconds, and then take a penalty, uh, you know, even after that. And all the momentum that you build up with 19 strong minutes of hockey disappears We've talked so many times on the show about how important goals in the final minute of a period are. This one sort of took the air out of the Islanders' sails, and after 20 minutes, it was 2-1 to one Islanders with the Blues starting the second period with an extra attacker. And Pajot, in addition to the power play goal, ends up killing penalties, and he does a good job uh, of helping to kill that power play that started the second period, but in the second period, the momentum of the game started to change, and a lot of the game being played in the Islanders' zone, and that is not what you wanted to see. Really, that late goal and late penalty did sort of change the momentum of this hockey game, and the Islanders managed to Hold on to that 2-1 lead throughout the period. One important play, Scott Mayfield hustling back to break up a potential 3-on-1. He intercepts the pass and ends up ruining that great scoring opportunity. But, you know, midway through the first, uh, through the second period, the shots on goal were 9 to nothing in favor of the Blues in the period. And... That, you know, isn't going to get the job done. Now, Grice kept it a 2-1 to hockey game, and the Islanders did not get a shot on goal in that middle stanza until Ross Johnston had a wraparound attempt with uh, at the 12.55 mark of the second period. 
that's not going to get the job done. After two periods, still a 2-1 to one Islanders lead. Blues out shooting the Islanders 19-13 after 40 minutes. So in the second period, all Blues 10-1 to one in shots on goal. And again, if it wasn't for Grice and, and some hustle like Mayfield uh, that we saw, it would have easily been uh, at least a tie game, if not a Blues lead. All right, we'll come back, discuss the third period, discuss the overtime, and a whole lot more. Lots more to get to here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. So early on in the third period, at least the play was more even between these two teams. The Blues had a great scoring chance. Robert Thomas, I don't know how he missed it, but at the end of the day, wasn't able to convert from, you know, a wide open spot right outside of the crease, but the Islanders held on to that two to one lead, but still no offense. You know, after the first period, the offense more or less disappeared and it seemed like the Islanders were holding on for dear life. Now, finally, in the third period, the Islanders, even though they only had a couple of shots on goal through the, you know, most of the first 12 minutes or so, Isles get a power play. Vince Dunn interfering with Ryan Pulak at 14:30. The Islanders are still clinging to that two-to-one lead, and this is a golden opportunity to put the game away. Unfortunately, Anders Lee hit with a Pulak shot, and he goes down. Islanders unable to cash in on the power play, and the Blues able to kill it off. Then, in again, the closing minutes, with less than two minutes to go, Vince Dunn gets the goal unassisted, a slap shot that, you know, taken from, I would say, either, you know, just beyond the slot, and it, it beats Grice, and the game is all tied at 2-2. Two to two. Islanders get a point as the third period comes to a close, and that's remarkable in the sense that in the second and third periods combined, the Islanders had a total of four shots on goal, and that is not going to get the job done. Lee did return in overtime, so that was encouraging, but at the end, a turnover at the blue line, and Colton Parie- uh, Parieko, his eighth, unassisted at 323, ends the game, and the Islanders fall to the St. Louis Blues by a score of 3-2. to And you look over this game, 29 saves for Grice, the Blues had 32 shots on goal, the Islanders had 17 and that's just not going to get the job done. Uh, two assists for Barzal, as we mentioned. That paced the Islanders overall. The goal for Pajot, and uh, for Pajot, even in the faceoff circle this time, two shots on goal, 18 minutes, 54 seconds of ice time. As far as the Islanders' shots on goal, only one shot in this game by a defenseman. And that belonged to Johnny Boychuk. Bovillier and Eberly each had three shots on goal. Islanders struggling uh, 
in the face-off circle. We mentioned Pajot, uh, 50%, 12 out of 24. Barzal, 2 out of 4. But Anders Lee winning just 1 out of 6 face-offs. Brock Nelson winning just 5 out of 15. As far as hits go, a few Islanders uh, tied with 3. Ross Johnston, Otto Koivula, Michael Dalcole, all of them with 3. And block shots, Pulak and Letty each had four. As far as ice time goes, Nick Letty, 24 minutes, 49 seconds. Scott Mayfield, 24-12. The duo of Taze and Pulak not far behind. Taze with 23-57. Pulak green out of the lineup. Not a lot of confidence for Barry Trotz in Noah Dobson. Dobson playing just nine minutes. 41 seconds of ice time, and Johnny Boychuk just 14-22. As far as the forwards go, Barzal leads the way with 21-38. The only other Islander forward over 20 minutes was Eberly with 20-56. Lee and Bavillier both just over 19 minutes in ice time. Here's the thing that has to be bothering you. Look, you're encouraged. You can look at this game in two ways. You could be encouraged by the fact that Pajot has two goals in two games. You could be encouraged with the fact that the Islanders went on the road against the defending Stanley Cup champions and ended up with a point in a game that they certainly did not play their best hockey. I mean, that second period was just unacceptable, no matter how you look at it. But here's the problem. The Islanders had a 2-0 lead in this game and then lost it, took their foot off the gas, fell apart in the final 43-44 minutes of the hockey game, had zero offensive production. As we mentioned, four shots on goal in the second and third period combined. And, you know, they're leaving important points on the table. They dominated the Rangers Tuesday night. Should have had two points, end up with one. You're up 2-0 against the Blues. Give up a goal in the final minute of the first period. Give up the tying goal with less than two minutes left in the third period. And then a turnover in overtime leads to the game winner. At the end of the day, these points that they're leaving on the table can very much come back to haunt them because the, the race for playoff position, is so tight right now that these are important points. And you look at the schedule for the Islanders, you know, they have 19 games left. Roughly half of them are against teams that are now in playoff position. So it's not the hardest schedule in the world. But if you look at the standings, they need all of these points. Now, the Capitals lost last night. That helps the Islanders. They're now only six points behind the Caps with a game in hand. Pittsburgh, two points ahead of the Islanders, but Pittsburgh has a game in hand. The Flyers and Islanders have the same number of games played. The Flyers with 79 points, the Islanders with 78. Columbus, two points behind the Islanders, but the Isles have two games in hand. Carolina, and the Rangers each four points behind the Islanders. Carolina has a game in hand on the Isles. The Rangers even up in games. So four points separating the 
seventh place Rangers and the fourth place Islanders and 10 points right now separate the first place Washington Capitals and the sixth and seventh place Hurricanes and Rangers. Isles right in the middle with 78 points. This Metropolitan Division, unquestionably the toughest division in the NHL top to bottom right now. You could easily finish first place or miss the playoffs entirely, and the difference between those two positions may be four, six points. So you can't afford to leave valuable points on the table the way the Islanders are doing right now. It's a frustrating week so far, and the Islanders have to do a little bit more to right the ship or they are going to struggle when it comes to playoff time. All right, we have a lot more to talk about here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. We'll preview Saturday's game against the Boston Bruins at the Coliseum and talk a little bit about Butch Goring's uniform retirement. We'll also have this date in Islanders history. Lots more to come here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to February 28th. 2009 Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum Islanders taking on the Buffalo Sabres, the goaltenders in this one, Patrick Laleem for Buffalo, the Islanders going with Jan Denis, and the first period was a scoreless one, but in the second period, Sean Bergenheim gets the Islanders on the board, Bergie's 10th, from Jack Hillen and Kyle Oposo, time of the goal, 6-13. Islanders were up 1-0. Some rough stuff going on in this game. Blake Como and Paul Gaustad uh, each getting 10-minute misconducts at 12:55, And then at 18:22, Kyle Oposo and Derek Roy each getting two-minute unsportsmanlike penalties. So, a physical contest here in the third period with the Islanders still up one to nothing. Bergenheim scores again, his 11th from Franz Nielsen at 17:58, and that was all she wrote. The Islanders hold on for a two to nothing victory over the Buffalo Sabers with Jan Denis making 31 saves to earn the shutout before 14,000. 198 fans at the Nassau Coliseum. Bergenheim with both goals to pace the Islanders on this date in Islanders history. Islanders 2, Sabres nothing, February 28th, 2009. All right, so this weekend, Islanders, the schedule doesn't get any easier. They're facing the Boston Bruins. Uh, One o'clock start at the Coliseum to get there earlier because of the Butch Goring retirement ceremony. And look, number 91, if you're old enough to remember the dynasty years, you understand why Butch Goring deserves to have his number retired. But of course, younger fans only know John Tavares as number 91. And uh, maybe a little bit of a a slap in the face to Tavares to, uh, you know, to retire the number four Butch Goring after JT wore it for nine seasons with the Islanders. But Goring, look, what has Butch Goring not done for the Islanders? He has been a player. He's been a player coach. He won the Conn Smythe Trophy, four Stanley Cups. 
He has been an assistant coach. He coached in the minor league system, coached the NHL team, and has been a broadcaster and a scout. So what hasn't Butch Goring done? He is a big part of the Islanders' family and community, a gentleman, a class act, and well-deserved that he's getting his number retired. Uh, so get there early, about an hour, hour and a half before the face-off, if you want to catch the entire ceremony uh, for Butch Goring. And congratulations to Butch uh, on getting his number retired. And uh, look, Butch Goring really was the original trade deadline acquisition. He is the prototype that all trade deadline deals are trying to copy. The last piece of the puzzle that puts a team over the top and gets them to a Stanley Cup. Now, back in the day, Goring led the Islanders. That acquisition helped that team win four Stanley Cups in a row, something that will probably not be duplicated anytime soon. All right, the Bruins are the opponent. Best record in the Eastern Conference, 40-13-12 right now. You look at the numbers, you see why. Look at this. Sixth in the league in goals scored. Best defense in the league, first, you know, least goals given up. Second in the league on the power play at 25.1%. And third on the penalty kill. If you put those numbers together, you've got yourself an elite hockey team. They currently lead the Atlantic Division by seven points right now. And they are a tough team, top to bottom. Goaltending duo, Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak, the former Islander. Rask 23-7 and 6, a 2-2-2 goals against average, a 9-26 save percentage. Halak 16-6-6, 2.42 goals against, a 9-18 save percentage. Both goalies have already recorded three shutouts. The most dangerous player on the Bruins right now, David Pasternak, 45 goals, 88 points. Uh by far leading the team. Brad Marchand with 79 points, not that far behind. And Marchand leads the team with a plus 24, plus minus. Patrice Bergeron at 53 points. Tony Tory Krug, 42. David Krejci with 40. And a lot of uh, talent on this Boston Bruins team that you just have to be aware of. You look at the line combinations, Bergeron centering Marchand and Pasternik is the very, very dangerous top unit. David Krejci is the pivot for the second line with Nick Ritchie and, and Andre Casse on his wings. Charlie Coyle, the former Minnesota Wild center, is the third line center with Jake Debrusque and, and, and Anders Bjork and Par Lindholm centers the fourth line with Sean Corrali and Chris Wagner on his wings. As far as the defensive pairings, Zdeno Chara still going strong on the wrong side of 40. Who, remember, he started his career back in the 90s with the Islanders. Charlie McAvoy is his partner. Tori Krug and Brandon Carlo are the second pairing. And Jeremy Lazone and Matt Greselik are the third pairing. The goaltenders, as we mentioned, for the Bruins, Halak and Rask. 
a bunch of uh, injured players right now, Connor Clifton and Kevin Miller, along with Cassé. So we'll keep an eye on those injuries. But overall, the Bruins loaded from top to bottom. And the Islanders, we talked about how tight the schedule, uh, the standings are. They can't afford to not at least get a point in this game after they struggled and left at least two points on the table over their last two games. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please give us a five-star rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice. That helps other Islander fans find the show and helps grow the Locked On Islanders family. I'm your host, Gil Martin. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Have a great weekend, everybody.